Three times the fun. This is the War Games Orchard. Welcome to the show. It's Nathan and GJ with you today. We've got quite a show for you. We're going to be breaking down the triple threats of Warhammer Fantasy 6th edition. And we had a little community poll. And we got some incredible results. We're going to be looking at the top five. We're also going to be looking at some honorable mentions. And then because we saved the hardest work for ourselves, we are going to be determining who is the greatest triple threat of Warhammer Fantasy 6th edition. For any of our listeners that aren't uh, up on the little experiment that we did, we asked our community as well as uh, some other communities on Facebook and Reddit. What models and units are the triple threat of Warhammer Fantasy 6th Edition? The, the three things we were looking for was models that were great in the lore, on the tabletop as, as far as appearance goes, and also in the rules. And we got some incredible answers, some stuff that I was not expecting at all. Before we get into any of that, though, let's talk news and hobby. GJ, it's great to be back. I'm really psyched about today. <laughs> uh, it's just fun to talk about. As am I, as am I. Yeah, yeah, it's the end yeah, of the week. Yeah, it always is. End of the week for me, and uh, it's a great way to kick off the weekend. How uh, is your hobby life going? Well, actually, I'm pretty pleased with my hobby life at the moment. I'm I'm actually getting stuff done, which is uh, a bit of a new experience for me, as I've been, uh, due to health reasons, I, I have not been able to do as much hobby as I wanted to. But in these past few weeks, uh, I, I, I've thought on the podcast that I have been working on a, a small dark elf force to use in a campaign setting that I'm playing with a friend of mine. And that force is now finished. I have now uh, two bolt throwers, uh, one unit of ten crossbows, a hero on foot, a wizard on foot, and a unit of ten corsairs with um, uh, with a full command group. And besides that, I have also painted a, a chaos chariot. Uh, this was a chaos chariot that was. A bit of a rescue project. Um, I got it second hand and it, it had a decent paint job but not something that I was overly excited about. So I basically I kept the color scheme. Uh, it was painted in, in corn red and I added some gold and I um, neatened everything up a bit and then I put it back together and I'm well pretty pleased with how it turned out. Uh, and I also painted up a very cute little girl miniature holding a bunny for the uh, painting competition that you are hosting and uh, I had some some very nice responses on that as well I gave her a little bit of background uh, even made some rules for her now I have no idea if those rules are actually if they work in any way shape or form game wise she may be way overpowered or way underpowered but I had fun writing them up so yeah, that's that's been my hobby progress so far, and uh, what I have on my painting desk now are uh, six 
regular ogres. Well, actually, it's it's three ogre bulls and uh, three lead belchers. And the 8th edition Golgfag Maneater model, uh, which is going to be the start of my 500 point Ogre Force for that same campaign as the Dark Elves. So I'm slowly working my way on that one. And I was thinking, well, since everything is going so well hobby wise at the moment, why not overreach and join a painting competition? And there's this guy on the 4th edition Warhammer group on Facebook. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but it's spelled OJOJ and then last name or second name Nolikom. I have no idea if that's his real name or not. Uh, but he's hosting a painting competition, especially for 4th edition. And I thought, well, I, I had some high elves prepped that I wanted to do, actually as part of the Crown of Command challenge, but I didn't quite get to. So now I've got those high elves uh, prepped for this challenge. And um, if I don't know if there are still places, but if there are, uh, you can find him on Facebook. And he has his own blog, which is the, uh, let me say this correctly, the Burping Dragon Inn.wordpress.com. So that's including the uh, particle the. Um, and the, the goal of this painting competition is to have, um, in total, it's a seven-month competition, and you can make it as, as big or as small as you want. So I decided to do well, a little bit modest, not to go overly over the top. In total, you have to paint four units, uh, one monster, one war machine, and one character. So I decided to go for a unit of high elf spearmen, two units of high elf archers, um, all uh, ten men each, and ten phoenix guards for my units, a bolt thrower, and uh, Imrik on his dragon for a monster, and a mage on a horse for a character. So let's see if I can find some time to do that in the coming months and hopefully expand uh, also my high elf force so yeah lots of hobby news on my part no kidding wow that is a ton of stuff i feel like you just listed off a year's worth of hobby stuff for that <laughs> really uh getting back into the swing of things there uh i have to question though this having two repeater bolt throwers in a 500 point force TJ, are you yeah. are you going uh, are you going hard on this or are we going no, super competitive? No, um, what, actually, on? I I, uh, I I did not go super competitive. I only had room to fit one in, but um, I painted the two of them together. Ah, okay. So um, in the in a next stage for the escalation campaign, I will probably have some points and another war machine slot to spare that I can fit the second ball thrower in. But uh, no, in, I, I cannot fit it in into, um, into my 500 point army and I did not want to do that either uh, because I know that those Dark Elf bolt throwers, they are, well, it, people love them if they are uh, behind them and people hate them if they are in front of them. Yeah, so that's, that's about uh, it. What happens with those Elven bolt throwers? So, uh, now I... Um, you're right, I, I, I did not put that second ball throw in the army just yet, but I had it painted up just in case, because, well, if you paint one ball thrower, then why not do 
two of exactly the same model uh, at exactly the same time. It, it saves on painting time later on. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. I mean, I could talk. I think I have four repeater bolt throwers, the fifth edition Dark Elf ones. I've never fielded that many in a single game. The most I ever take is two. Uh, I just thought it was funny that you mentioned having two for a, uh, a 500 point force. And I was just like, oh boy, I feel like GJ doesn't like this guy. <laughs> going up against. No, no, no. He's, he's one of my best friends. I, I kept him around since high school. So I'm not going to uh, scare him away with two Boltros and 500 points. But uh, well, I also have two more unpainted somewhere. So who knows what might happen when the escalation campaign escalates excellent very cool so how about you mate well i have more news than hobby uh something really kind of fun and i've i've been not really accruing any more miniatures over the latter half of this year because i've been in school and then really not having time to do anything uh, something came up where I had the opportunity to get my hands on a whole bunch of 5th edition Bretonians, and I couldn't, I, I just couldn't not do it. And so I got a bunch of the classic starter set Bretonian knights. And I call them the starter oh, set great. knights, but they're, they're the plastic knights of the realm because they were also available in boxes of two by themselves. But you you guys, I'm sure, all know those. I got the special edition Bretonian Lord that uh, was in some of the 5th edition starter boxes. I, I feel like that was a little bit later on in 5th edition. And so that was really, really cool. I, I've never seen him in the flesh before. He's uh, kind of an understated model, honestly. Like, if you put him next to a bunch of knights, you're just like, which one is which again? But he is very cool, all things considered. And I wanted to share this because I've told this story on the podcast before about how I sold the 5th edition Bretonian stuff that I had and that I've always regretted it since then. And this stuff is more than I ever owned for Bretonia, actually. So I'm nice. up again. But the problem is that one of the things that I sold that I absolutely kick myself for every morning, just I, I like I've I've made a huge mistake and it's ruining my life uh so i had Raponce de lioness the the model and i absolutely love her she's one of my favorite bretonian characters and i really wanted to see if i could get my hands on her again and so i get this lot and i'm, I'm just picking my way through it and i come across a very familiar looking horse and lower torso uh or not lower torso, sorry, but like lower half on this horse. And I was like, oh my God, is this, is this her? Is this Rapunzel de Lioness? And you know why my Warhammer brain immediately kicks into overdrive because I mean, I can still identify bits from fourth and fifth edition. You know, I can't tell you what's going on uh, in my life at, at any point point in time but i can tell you if i if i recognize like the smallest part of a bit from a model from the 90s and so i was like i'm sure that this is her horse and this is her her legs and so i scoured that box i scoured it i you know just wishing and hoping and dreaming and no i have now the bottom half of Rapunzel oh, no. lioness <laughs> and i've got her horse 
but in a cruel twist of fate, I don't have her top half, and it's so sad. I mean, I love this this lot that I, I got. It was just, it was one of the, the best uh, opportunities I, I've, I've ever had for, for getting Warhammer, and I, I'm, I'm glad that I jumped on it. But, oh man, I was so sad. And I even, I even like told the story to my wife because I was just like, I need to talk to someone about this. <laughs> I need you to understand what I'm going through right now. Oh boy, it was, it was tough. But on the bright side, I've got a bunch of fifth edition Bretonians, which is one of the few armies that I kind of didn't have anything for, for fifth edition because I had sold it so long ago. And now I have more than I, I ever have. I don't have anything special. I It's really just the Knights of the Realm, the Archers, and the Lord. But at the same time, like, that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm super into that. And, you know, maybe I'll find some stuff here or there in the future. It is a very good start for a Bretonian force. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like 22 knights, I think, which is huge. Like, that's all the knights I'm yeah. ever going to need. And the Lord and then the archers, so... Uh, yeah, really, really happy with that. And if nothing else, what I'm going to do is put together the old starter set uh, worth of miniatures and, you know, I don't know, play some stupid starter set games or something with myself and uh, be really sad when the lizard men lose every single game because that starter was ridiculously <laughs> poorly balanced. Moving on, though, uh, because I could spend all day talking about that. The other thing I wanted to mention was uh, we got a couple more entries into our super serious paint challenge which we're running over on the warhammer orchard on facebook which is our community page we got an entry uh that is pretty close to home for the war game orchard here which you have mentioned your your very own entry which i absolutely loved it was uh super well, super you. fun yeah yeah you did a great job on her by the way it was that wasn't all contrast was it paints it was mostly contrast yes wow um i, I did some highlights that weren't contrast, but most of it was just a single layer of contrast paints. That's incredible. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, I was really uh. pleased with it as well. I, I did some ex some some brief experiments beforehand to see which of the colors I needed because if you, I, I haven't used contrast paints much, and straight out of the pots they look a lot differently than when they are on a raidbone undercoated miniature. So I, I did some uh, color tests on uh, actually on the base that she's standing on. And well, yeah, then when, once I had decided which colors I wanted to use and how to use them, um, it was just uh, slap it on and see what happens. Nice. Well, it would, it worked. It really worked. She looks great. And I mean, as much as I love the miniature and I do, the story and the rules that you made for her uh fantastic just really fun i loved the story most of all i think it was it was really i thought you would really yeah. well done yeah <laughs> yeah and even like with the miniature that rabbit does look just a little bit sinister i think you chose the perfect uh the perfect model for it yeah it does yeah well actually this is a rather sinister miniature in and of itself because it's uh, it's a 3d print and sort of part of a set where you have this little girl holding her bunny and she is standing in front of a big wardrobe where the doors are opening up from the inside and all kinds of tentacles and nasty things are creeping out. So somebody said, uh, I believe it was on my Instagram, that um, 
you could do you could go grimdark with this really really well uh, with this miniature or maybe it was on the Facebook but um, yeah that's that's actually the way it was built and the first time I saw this miniature have I told that I think I did uh, I saw it when someone had used it as a, a little vampire kid leading his army and I totally fell in love with that miniature right then and I took me hours to track it down to see what company it was from and finally found it on Etsy and ordered it and I was so excited when I got here. Nice, nice. Yeah, I remember you mentioning the vampire and she would look great as that as well. I can, yes. I can totally see it. Um, the other one I wanted to mention was uh, Sean Boone who gave us a lovely little entry with a story to go along with it. Uh, Wugs, who is a, uh, a little goblin who had a big job of stealing uh, the Skaven Warpstone core out of a uh, Skaven machine or, or, or something in uh, uh, in kind of a warren underneath an Imperial city. And uh, Wugs ends up kind of saving this human city uh, completely not in or unintentionally. And uh, so his miniature has Wugs making his daring escape, uh, holding this glowing ball of warpstone uh, while riding a wolf away, I assume, from probably thousands of angry Skaven who are coming after him. But uh, great, great job from Sean. This has been such a ridiculous success so far. I'm, I'm, I'm so, so pleased. Uh, I, I still, still working on my own entry to be, to be quite honest, but this Warhammer Orchard community is just knocking it out of the park with these models. So I'm, I'm, I'm so, so happy to see that. I uh, keep those entries coming in. Uh, I'll keep shouting them out on the show and you still have time. If you're still on the fence, if you'd like to participate, just join us on the Warhammer Orchard Facebook page and you've got until the end of November. And then in December, we start a brand new one. So it's uh, one miniature a month. It's not a hard challenge, but it's something to be a bit of a palate cleanser if you're working hard on an army and you just want to do something a little different, something a little silly. And uh, yeah, I can't say enough great things about how well this has gone i'm just i'm so happy <laughs> i'm so happy that people enjoy this really dumb challenge so one last piece of news that uh, you may have come across on your internet desk but there is a new trailer for total war warhammer 3 out this one pitting the forces of slanesh versus the forces of nurgle my theory is that they have run out of uh, launch mortal races for the, these two to go up against, so they paired them against each other. But it's a great matchup, and it's an impressive trailer. What I found more interesting about it uh, was that we get a little bit more of our strange wandering man with his book. And uh, so he's been featured in a couple of the Total War Warhammer 3 trailers. We still don't know who he is exactly, but he is kind of the main character in this trailer. He's exploring some ancient ruins with some crazy statues or perhaps frozen in place uh, peoples and, and demons and things. And he uh, either unwittingly or accidentally... Or something happens and uh, he, he either goes back in time or goes to another plane of existence and uh, there's demons everywhere and he has to get to his book, uh, which has kind of come loose and it's, it's a whole thing. But it made me think about the 
author of the Liber Malefic. So this this uh, author, this is kind of an adjacent part of Warhammer lore where you get quotes from the Libra Malefic throughout the Demon Book, uh, throughout the old Realm of Chaos books. And it was a mortal man who was somehow transported into the Realm of Chaos. And he was basically left alone by the, the creatures and the demons there. And he wrote the Libra Malefic describing his journey through the realms of chaos, through the realms of each of the four gods, and the the incredible and mind-bending sights that he saw there. And something about that book and the way that the demons seem to come out of the book really just struck me as as perhaps uh, that. And maybe that this is that, that wanderer who, who wrote the book. I don't know. That's only very, very crazy speculation on my part. But... I I really like I love what they've done with these trailers so far. I'm really hyped for this game and I'm going to be really sad when I'm going to have to wait 6 months for it to go on sale after it comes out. Uh and also I'll have to wait 6 months anyway cuz I won't have time to play it before probably the summer anyway. <laughs> what did you think of this? I loved it. I thought it was wildly good. Yeah. Well, I I haven't made that connection that you made about um this guy being uh, Marius Holsayer. I, I just looked him up. Oh, thank you. Uh, the, the guy who wrote the Liber Malefic. So um, I did not really have an, any idea what this guy was, who this guy was and what he was doing. So your explanation actually made, makes a lot of sense. And well, like every other Total War Warhammer trailer so far, I loved to see what they were going to do and how they are doing it, especially all my interest in this game is not because I'm going to play it and because I'm going to spend a lot of money on it, but because I am very curious to see how what happens in this game will um, relate to what they are going to do with Warhammer the Old World when it hits, because that's where my main topic of interest lies. So I've been watching these trailers with a, actually with, with uh, Warhammer the Old World in my mind when I watched them. So it was really nice to see that they had indeed um, picked the last two Chaos factions and pitted them against each other. And that, I, I was actually a little bit slightly disappointed about that because I had hoped that it would be like total chaos invasion, all forces of chaos coming down from the north, attacking from all sides, doing stuff. Uh, maybe uh, Slanesh te teaming up with the Dark Elves in the Storm of Chaos, Cult of Slanesh way. I would have loved to have seen that, but yeah, I'll, I'll settle for um, Nurgle fighting Slanesh. Yeah, I think just the way that they're they're building this game and the map that they have they're probably they probably have to kind of do that i i do agree with you though that would have been so good to see and anytime i can have the cult of slanesh in my life i am 100 percent <laughs> into it so that would have been great but yeah it's something worth mentioning because this this game is really even if you're not a video game player there's so much here that I think is going to be tied to Warhammer the Old World. I think yeah. these, these games are going to be a bit joined at the hip. I honestly don't think Warhammer the Wo Old World would have happened if not for this game. 
uh, if not for Total War Warhammer. So no, for for the entire series, I think. Yeah. 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 So that and of course the amazing Warhammer Fantasy fan base that is still going strong and even acquiring new members left, right, and center. Um, uh, you see those Facebook groups explode. People who say, "Well, I haven't played Warhammer in ages," or "I haven't played Warhammer at all." Uh, it cannot be that GW didn't pick up on that. Absolutely, I think I think that Warhammer Fantasy, the player base, has made a strong showing of themselves, and the idea that, uh, like yesterday or yesterday, last podcast, uh, I was shouting out a, a tournament for warhammer fantasy yeah. 6th edition that have that's happening in uh, ottawa in okay. january like that's uh, wild yeah. that's so wild but i love it right like i there does seem to have been a real resurgence i think people are starting to to kind of go back and and realize you know what a what a incredible game this is slash was and at whichever era you want to play in there's something for you and now that miniatures are so much more accessible through pre 3d printing you can get approximations of just about everything you, you don't have to rely on the, the scraps that games workshop has left from their their old warhammer range it's there's a real democratization or i guess uh the the warhammer proletariat seizing the means of production here right like this this yeah. game really does belong to the community now and it's it's so much probably better for it but it, it's also it's also just so great to see and i'm excited for the old world when that comes out uh do i trust games workshop not to ruin it not no i don't not for a moment but am i going to give it a chance am i going to get super excited about it in the lead up yeah i am it's going to be ridiculous yeah, definitely uh so and if it's bad i'll just use the models uh for warhammer fantasy assuming they're not too big <laughs> that's, that's my yeah. point <laughs> Anyway, yeah, and and, and uh, probably the other way around as well, because oh, I did sure. promise us we could still use all our old armies. Yeah, yeah, and I I am one hundred percent betting on that being a lie, but <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll take that bet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I hope you're right. You're you're you know you're generally uh, on the right page when when it comes. I'm to a tad more so. optimistic. Yeah, yeah you true. are. All right, let's do this. Let's jump in. We got we got yes. some uh, some rankings to do here. So. For this experiment, what we decided to do was something a little bit similar to a thing we did in the spring, which was the Warhammer Hall of Fame. And that was a rousing success, if not a little bit overwhelming. We went and we inducted units into the Warhammer Hall of Fame based on various merits, kind of their, their overall importance to the Warhammer world, basically. And what was neat to see was going back and... and looking at that old episode and now doing this one, I have to say, to those of you who are part of the the dwarf or orcs and goblins community, uh, well done in just dominating any poll that I put up <laughs> at any point in time. Because it's always the same results. It's just, oh, hey, uh, dwarf slayers, night goblin fanatics. They're, they're the, yep. People are just like, no, no, these are the best at everything in every edition. And I, I find that to be suspect, but I love the, I, I just love the enthusiasm that Dwarf and Orcs and Goblin players have because they always dominate the, what is your favorite thing? Or what is, 
who is the best at this, right? It's so, so good. We got some incredible answers, though, and we also got some honorable mentions. Now, for anyone who might have a little bit of confusion as to the name of this episode, just before we get into things, uh, I had originally put this as the Warhammer Triple Crown, which I thought was very clever of me. And just as a callback to horse racing, where there's three big races, and if the horse, uh, and this is, I believe, just in the United States, but uh, if your horse wins all three of them, they are the triple crown winner. And there's different triple crowns in, in baseball and, and other sports as well. But uh, what I didn't realize was that there is actually a uh, organization in the UK called Triple Crown Wargaming. And these guys specialize in doing uh, Warhammer Fantasy 8th Edition content. And they do free stuff on YouTube and they also do paid content. And uh, one of the guys, James, reached out to me and it was just like, hey, uh, I think it's really cool what you're doing, but could you please change the name? Because we're just worried about people getting confused. And I texted him back and I was like, oh, yeah, I had no idea you guys exist. I'm really sorry. Uh, so I didn't want to step on their toes or anything like that because they seem like really cool guys. So this is why this has become the Warhammer Triple Threat episode. But yeah, I just wanted to shout them out because they seem like a really cool crew and uh, I had never seen their content before. I'm not much for 8th edition battle reports and I never have time to watch battle reports anymore. But if you're looking for some Warhammer content, why don't you check them out uh, because they seem really cool. <laughs> and with that out of the way, let's jump into the uh, triple threat, uh, triple threats of Warhammer Fantasy 6th edition. Now... We're going to go over our honorable honorable mentions first, and these were our positions 8 through 6. And then we're going to get into our top 5, and anyone from the top 5 is eligible to win the, the uh, triple threat. The honorable mentions, unfortunately, just didn't quite get there for votes, but we wanted to talk about them anyway, because there's some really cool stuff here. So, GJ, why don't we start off with the one that you championed? here the tomb scorpion. yeah my favorite the yeah. tomb scorpion so this was a fun uh, one and i was really surprised because it was the only tomb kings unit that was mentioned but apparently you had either you either mind controlled some folks or some people on the very similar wavelength to you uh spoke up and this one uh got our eighth position and uh yeah why don't you tell me a little bit about it because i'm not a tomb kings player and yeah yeah. Well, for me, I was thinking uh, I want to f first and foremost uh, represent Doom Kings because they are definitely one of my favorite armies. And then I was thinking, which of the Doom Kings units does fit the three criteria? So, which Doom Kings unit has the best lore, the best rules, and the best model? And that led me to the Tomb Scorpion. And the reason I picked the Tomb Scorpion is because if you look at it from a... Well, let's start with the model. It's 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 an undead construct. It's basically a giant scorpion that um, has in its carapace the body of a um, deceased entombed lich priest. And it ties in nicely to the lore because these scorpions, they were actually the caskets of the lich priests that had died before they had found the secret to immortality. 
So uh, what you have here is not just some random bony scorpion uh, running around the field, but it's actually a, uh, a casket, the final resting place of um, one of Nehakara's uh, high society members. Uh, so that was really cool, and it's also really cool to see that represented there. And then if you look at the rules, it's um, it's got a lot of rules. Uh, almost the largest, uh, well, no, not quite. Just looking at the back of 6th edition, I was thinking it might be the largest line of rules from the entire book. But, uh, well, they, they have quite a lot. They even put it in a little bit of a smaller font. Uh, they have the rule Undead Construct, which means that it takes less wounds when it loses a break test. Uh, or at least when it loses combat, because you don't take break tests as Tomb Kings. It has it came from below, so you can place a marker anywhere on the table. Say, right smack bang, next to your opponent's war machines. And have it come up on a later turn. And uh, actually my first Tomb Scorpion, and still the only one that I have painted, I modeled up in such a way that it was coming out of the ground and grabbing two poor Bretonian archers. One of them is in his claws and the other one is lying on the ground with a big hole in his back where the stinger uh, got him. Uh, they have poisoned attacks, they have killing blow and they have magic resistance. So this is a really nice unit that you can use to basically get behind enemy lines, uh, do some things over there, uh, nice rules, nice lore, beautiful model, uh, definitely to me would have deserved a place in at least the top 5 and, and maybe even in the top 1, but I might be a little bit biased here since this was my entry. Great summary there, that is such a fun toolbox unit. I, I wasn't really very familiar with it before this episode and, and going and looking at its stats and its point cost only 85 points i think it's yeah. an absolute steal special it's, choice yeah and it's something that i'd really worry about seeing on the battlefield in sixth edition four wounds at toughness five four attacks you know it's it's got the it's gonna cause fear it's gonna be in your flank or in your butt it's it's not great to have a giant scorpion in your butt and i think uh, for that reason alone uh, it deserves a, a place of pride here. Yeah, what a great, what a Thank great. Thank you for uh, that mental picture. <laughs> what what a great choice by our Tomb Kings players. And I should say a little bit about how these uh, votes came in. Basically, what I asked was ever for everyone to nominate a single unit that they felt was a triple threat unit, and we got over forty unique units nominated which i thought was hugely wild because that's that's so many right like that's probably two or three full army books worth of units and then even more uh yeah and then we got a ton of people that were uh duplicates which is how we made this list so uh like i said we got um we we got the, the about 40 unique ones and then we got tons that multiple people said so it was uh, a, a good uh, a good really diverse number of units and some stuff that i did not expect uh amongst those was the tomb scorpion because gj threw that one out early and i was just like oh yeah like i i get it i did not expect tomb kings players to be like yeah no this is an awesome unit <laughs> so <laughs> really really cool did you 
give these guys a score or just the five? No, just the top five. Cool. So we'll just do, yeah. Yeah. All right. So Tomb Scorpion, 100% great unit. This is the next one that I want to talk about is our seventh place finisher. And this one, I kind of feel like maybe should have been in the top five instead of another one. Uh, but... I I completely agree. I was actually surprised that they weren't flipped around. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, are we... Now, here's the thing. We might be talking about two different <laughs> ones here. Uh, so I'm that talking about the, the Longbeards here. Are you talking about the Waywatchers or the Longbeards? The, oh, sorry. I was talking about the Waywatchers indeed. Okay, okay. So I, I've got an argument with the Longbeards against the this we'll we'll come up we'll come up on them not to to spoil things too much but uh because of the dwarf player enthusiasm slayers did make the the top five and i I have a bit of a problem with that but uh let's let's talk about longbeards first because they were in our seventh position uh i think they are just the best i like i was going through the sixth ed book and then even the six 6.5 book for dwarfs because they 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 do have that kind of double uh, double down on on the stuff they got in sixth edition. I absolutely love everything about Longbeards. I love the fact that they're strength four. I love the fact that they have the old Grumblers special rule that allows uh, reroll for panic for other dwarf units. I just think they're they're so dwarfy. They're so quintessentially dwarfy, and they're they're such solid units, right? Leadership nine. Yeah, they they can do everything for you. Uh, you get to uh, 6.5 and just, man, I, I just feel like they they have what we wanted for this challenge. They have the triple threat. Their models are gorgeous. Some of the most gorgeous of a one of Games Workshop's best ranges of all times. Those old long beards with the flowing beards. And I'm not talking about the plastic ones. Those are whatever. Uh, I'm talking about the metal ones in 6th edition. Fantastic. Uh, rules wise, I think they are solid from from top to bottom. I think they are good for their points. I think they're you're gonna rely on them, and they're not gonna let you down. And lore wise, it's just a bunch of old dwarfs who are really good at fighting and just complain incessantly. And I don't know. There's something about the simplicity of that fluff that I just love. I I, I love longbeards. I think they're so good. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Just the the whole idea of those old dwarfs uh, being there on the battlefield being actually revered by the younger dwarfs because they do have great respect for old age and just the fact that well these are basically your your uh, grandfathers that are maybe sitting in the speaking of humans uh, sitting in a nursing home or meeting a meeting each other complaining about how everything was better in the good old days, but then translated to a dwarf that is not getting much frailer with old age. Uh, maybe even the opposite. Yeah, it's as if your 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 grandfather walks out of his nursing home 
starts doing your job better than you can do it and then complains yes. about you doing your job and that in his day it would have been much harder to do this job <laughs> like that's basically and, and not only do. your grandfather but also uh 16 of his friends <laughs> that's it yeah it's his legion of grandfathers just coming in and showing you how it's done uh, I think they're fantastic. Yeah, I, I was, I was so uh, hoping that they would overtake Dwarf Slayers, but uh, spoiler alert, they did. They did not. Um, so okay, now uh, let's let's hit on the the sixth position, the one that uh, Weight Watchers almost finished in the top five. It was very very close. Yeah. Uh, so these guys, these are your your Wood Elf Rambos really really good in sixth edition. They're twenty four points per model, but oh boy. Uh, the problem, I, I guess, is that like you're paying a lot for them, but your enemy's basically never going to see them or kill them in the game, right? Like going Waywatcher hunting is like the worst thing to try and do. Yeah. Uh, that and they, yeah, don't do that. Yeah, they have killing blow on their bows, which uh, really good, really really good, and like they're they're just they're gonna be a problem all game. You don't really have to, you kind of set them and forget them somewhere, right? Like you find a nice little woods, you plant them in there. And then, you know, if your enemy really wants to go dig them out, sure, right? Like it's not, it's not that big of a deal. Model wise, this is one that I have, uh, I have mixed feelings on. I think they're good. I think they're good models. At the same time, I like their fifth edition models a little bit better but i do yeah, respect for me yeah i do respect them i i just don't like the number of them that have their swords out because i just in game like they're never you're never going to be in combat really like unless no, things go really wrong, did something wrong <laughs> yeah. As a wood player. yeah um but yeah they're they're solid i i don't have i don't have anything really bad to say about them except that yeah i'm not super big into the models but i am super big into their rules I love the idea of them in the lore as well, where they're they're the loners of these already super isolationist elves, <laughs> and so they're they're going off and just living in Athaloran, and occasionally they'll come to to one of the communities, and and then they'll go back. They're they're like the crazy woodsmen, right? That that you hear about that live yeah. you know in the forest and uh, are, have houses that are completely off the grid. Like these are the off the grid elves are the way watchers yeah yeah what what are your thoughts on them seeing as what way watchers can do and uh the fact that you can is it in this edition as well that you can put them in uh you can deploy them behind enemy lines or something like that uh oh yeah that's a forest stalkers rule you can you can um you can place them like scouts with no minimum distance between them and the enemy or even in sight of the enemy out in the open if you are more than 12 inches away from them uh, great unit to just bait out some some chariots even or something like that some troops with frenzy get things out in the open run away then rally the next turn because you know you will and uh, lots of things that you can do with them so i had actually expected them to be in the top five um, especially because we also see Gladeguard in the in the top five, and I would have thought that those places would have been exchanged. So maybe you can explain to me why that's not the case. Look, man, I'm I'm not a Wood Elf player. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Honestly, I was surprised to see Gladeguard at all. I was shocked 
Uh, there's there's a few on this top five that I did not expect to see, and no. reading some of the reasoning behind them though, uh, and and we'll see in a second here, and we might as well just move straight on to the main event here. Uh, so our our top five here, and this is in. Uh, did I put this in the proper order? I did not put this in the proper order on my my little sheet here, but uh, our top five are Dwarf Slayers, Wood Elf Glade Guard, Night Goblins, and I'm including Fanatics in this, uh, Skaven Slaves, and Witch Elves, which is wild because I didn't expect to see Witch Elves, I didn't expect to see Skaven Slaves, and I didn't expect to see Glade Guard. No. Uh, definitely expected to see Night Goblins and, and Dwarf Slayers because, I, like I mentioned earlier, you I cannot run a poll without those two dominating it because <laughs> the Warhammer community is fun. So, yeah, let's let's go. Um, let's start with the Glade Guard here. Yeah. Since we're talking about them, we're on the Wood Elf book here. So the Glade Guard now people just seemed to really the the ones who who took the time to write uh, a little response about the glade guard basically said that they were just like a really solid unit that works really well with the way that the wood elf army plays and and just the you know they they loved the 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 kin bands of, of the wood elves and as far as the lore goes and that they are uh top-notch models and Look, who who am I to argue? I, I'm about to argue, actually, because <laughs> I, I do think this is one of the weaker units in the top five. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go down. I'll, I'll break down. Maybe I'll break down my score and then... Yeah, sure. And then I'll, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so um, sure. for you listening, we gave each of these uh, three threads, we gave them scores out of five. Uh, I don't think we had mentioned that before, have we? No, we had not. So thank you for doing that. And uh, despite my real want to give half points, I did stick. We both stuck with uh, just straight yeah. whole numbers here. So you're not going to see any 3.5s. Or uh, At one point, I was just like, could I give out a 2.25? Because this feels like a 0. 0.25. And then I, was, I had to stop myself and say, no, that's the dumbest thing I've heard today. <laughs> don't do that. Uh, so yeah. Here's what I've got for them. So I started off with models first. And models, I gave them a 3 out of 5. I like the models. I think they're good. However, do I think they're great? I don't. I really, what I really like about them is I like their, I like their bodies. Uh, I like a lot of their, uh, their general poses. I'm not huge on their heads. To be honest, I never got used to the the Wood Elf aesthetic of 6th edition. I, I almost want to call them like acorn helmet things that they have on. They've got some really odd head wear. And I think these weren't the greatest faces Games Workshop ever sculpted. Uh, so that's what lost points for me as far as the heads went. Now, uh, what, what was your score for, for models? Also a three. Also a three, um, okay. For, for similar reasons... Not so much that I dislike the hats, although now that you mention it, I can't really unsee it. <laughs> oh no. Um, but I, I've actually built a couple of these as a command group to put into my unit of a fourth edition Wood Elf Archers. You know, the ones that are uh, monopose, standing there, very uniform. Mm -hmm. And they work pretty well together if you have a command group that's a little bit more... Um, dynamic than the others and i like that the dynamic poses they are great 
but I did have some difficulty ranking them up with their billowing cloaks and you can't really have these models without cloaks and they are I thought they were a tad too big to put on a 25 uh, sorry 20 mil base yeah that's a, it's, uh, all yeah, good for one of the reasons to uh, not go higher than a three yeah I think those are all legitimate points so rules uh, I gave them a three out of five because again I, I think they are solid rules as far as these go they've got the basic elven stat line they have the great uh bows that shoot at strength four if they're in half range which i really like and at 12 points per model i think they're pretty fairly costed as far as elven infantry goes no armor but you don't expect that uh, i really like the scout upgrade rule i think that's really a great option it's five points per model so it does make them 17 points per model but skirmishing sometimes is is worth that yeah this one three i a three because it i think they're really good rules but they just didn't i don't know that they're overwhelmingly good now same for me i also stuck again at a three uh so we are uh, basically uh, on the same line here and for me, what I felt was that their rules did not really match their fluff. Um, because in the fluff, in the lore, it, it depicts them a little bit as loose guerrilla fighters that are basically moving up and down the battlefield, the units just doing whatever they want and, and taking what the general says only as guidelines. But that's not really represented in the rules. And I would have liked to see... A little bit more of that, maybe like uh, every turn or so, they they have a s small chance to move towards the enemy or move away from the enemy or, or do stuff of, on their own uh, and still be able to shoot, of course, because that's what you want them to do. Uh, the rules have them as solid blocks, but the fluff suggests they are more like loose guerrilla fighters. Mm, yeah, and if you want that skirmishing, you're you're paying the extra five points per model, yes. which is 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 quite steep for an army that is quite expensive. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's all good points. And then finally, for the lore, I gave them a again three out of five. Again, it's it's good. Everything about them is good. I just like it. Nothing wowed me about them. I I like the Wood Elf fluff and and. These guys are the kind of mainstay core unit of the Wood Elves, so their their fluff is pretty basic. They are the the kin bands of, of, of the Wood Elves, and I like it, but it's just it's just not wowing me. My exact words that I wrote down here on the on my document in front of me is uh, nice, but not really special. And I also gave them three out of five. So I think we are in full agreement that Glade Guards don't get any further than 9 out of total of 15 points. Yeah, yeah, no arguments here on the same page. A, a good unit, and I'm sure Wood Elf players, hey, I'm sure you could argue up for a couple of points, but uh, it's just not it's just not there for me today. But I do like to have them mentioned here in this uh, top 5, and, and, and I love those entries that you don't expect so good job on you wood elf players mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and once again high elf players this happened the same way in the warhammer hall of fame the high elf players were so divided on which units 
that they thought were were the triple threat units that none of them made it and it was the same thing that happened which i think is a very high elf thing to have happen so uh the players kind of imitating the the faction there i was super surprised that the dark elves uh got anything on this too um now you know what speaking of dark elves why don't we go over and take a look at which which is which here in uh, the dark elves i was super surprised to see any of my my beautiful dark elves making this list i actually forgot to vote <laughs> at all in this so i'm gonna i'm gonna throw my weight behind my witch elves right now uh even though i actually don't have them ranked the highest here so thoughts on the witch elves oh boy i i'm a big fan of of witch elves just throughout the history of the game so seeing them here is is wonderful uh now i gave them for models four out of five i actually think these are the best witch elves that we got they i i like them a little bit more than i like the fifth edition crazy hair witch elves or the eighth edition plastic witch elves which look quite good but are a little too a little too jumpy a little too uh i i guess i just wish that they had a little bit more normal poses for for those witch elves uh, these ones, I think, are my favorite between all of the editions. So I, I gave them a 4 out of 5 there. I'm a big fan. What did you think? I gave them a solid 5 out of 5. Um, basically, just for the reasons that you mentioned. They look great. And of all the Witch Elf models, these are undoubtedly the best sculpts. And I think the model really captures uh, the characteristics of the Witch Elves. They're... Uh, allure, their uh, uh, ferocity, um, yeah, just a uh, really great way that these elves are represented on the table. Um, uh, yeah, and the poses are also uh, rather dynamic, uh, which really, really fits them. It's it's almost like they are an, uh, a bit like the war dancers. Uh, not completely, of course, but it's going in that direction. It's, it's not uh, your static rank and file. These are your your light little elves that are dancing across the board and making casualties uh, wherever they go. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. One thing I'll say, too, is that I like that they're a little bit buff. I, I like that they're muscular. And the, the Witch Elves of 5th edition and the Witch Elves of 8th edition might be a little bit more, I guess, feminine. They they don't look as, and not even more feminine, they just don't look as athletic as the Witch Elves from 6th edition. And I really like that because the idea of them is that they are ridiculously deadly and, and they, they should look like they can run really fast and stab you really good right and i think yeah. these witch elves do so I, i'm glad for that yeah I'm, I'm glad i'm glad you you like them like i like them uh rules wise so this was an odd one for me i do enjoy witch elves i think they've got a good good rules especially in sixth edition there was so much that was lackluster for the dark elves in sixth edition i even went back and checked the uh, errata that came out to see if witch elves got any major upgrades in that but they they didn't really there was a couple little things that changed these guys i love the fact that they're blenders uh firstly because you're looking at three attacks per witch elf at a great initiative 
uh, with poisoned weapons at a good weapon skill. I, I guess the only thing is that they do have a really pronounced downside that I think keeps them from being kind of truly elite as far as rules go. And that is that you're paying 13 points per model for a toughness three elf with no armor. So yes. you really need to figure out some way for them not to get shot right off the board almost immediately. And that's hard to do with dark elves in sixth edition. You don't have chaff. You don't have cheap units that you can throw in front of these girls. Uh, and that's a really big downside. I ended up giving them a three out of five for this because I think their rules are quite good. I think you can find a use for them, but there is, there's an unavoidable downside that is, they are super fragile. I completely agree with everything you said. And, uh, I, I once again gave them one point higher than you did. Um, for me, I was looking at their rules and their lore and I saw that in, in contrast to the glade guards, these witch elves do have basically all of their lore represented in the rules, uh, which is what I like to see. But indeed, they are squishy and they should be able to benefit from some form of protection against shooting. Yeah, the, the best you can do is a six-up ward save from the Cauldron of Blood. Yeah. And then even that, they have to be quite nearby to benefit from. Yeah, that's, that is kind of the one thing, uh, the one downside for me. And then finally, as far as lore goes, I mean, dark elves and witch elves, you know, it's it's peanut butter and chocolate. They, they are so important to the lore of the dark elves, the, the cult of Cain, the uh, death knight, all of that just is is so good. I, I, I love it so much. Uh, I think I, uh, what did I, I gave them a straight five out of five for lore. And uh, I will defend to the death that that decision because I think they have amongst the best lore of any elven unit, let alone the Dark Elves. I'm not going to challenge you on that. I also gave them a 5 out of 5. I love the whole idea that these are uh, devoted to Cain. They are... Um, to them, the battlefield is just another temple. I, I really like that vibe of them just going uh, with reckless abandon into into battle because that's what that's how they can please their god so yeah really nice fluff um also five out of five for me all right well we got a strong contender in witch elves then uh yeah. i have i have given them a uh 12 and yeah, you for me, it was 13, yeah. Uh, 14, even. Or 14, right? Yeah, because yeah. you were one higher on two of those. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's great. So that's uh, that's 13 out of 15 on average. So. Okay. All right. Well, we got an early leader here. Why don't we head over in a, in a completely opposite direction here? And uh, let's start talking about some of our units that have made uh, appearances in other episodes. Let's talk about Night Goblins. Oh, can we do that? But then the episode will be very long if you want me to talk about night goblins. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll talk about the the unit called night goblins. We won't talk about every night goblin because there's a lot of night goblins out there. Uh, yes. This this one this is a fun one, and I know. Look, green skin player. Look, I I'm an orcs and goblins player. Uh, I I know how much everyone loves night goblins. I love night goblins. I was not expecting to see them nominated as much as they were. 
I expected we'd get a few because, you know, crazy orcs and goblin players are crazy and they love to just, you know, uh, enthusiastically beat the drum for great units. Uh, and yeah, night goblins. Now, I combined the votes for night goblins and night goblin fanatics into a single total because otherwise we would have actually gotten night goblins and night goblins fanatics with enough votes to both get in the top five <laughs> yeah yeah no uh, fanatics are a unit upgrade for night goblins so i That's completely it. understand why you did that yeah. exactly thank you so night goblins here uh start things off models this is where this pick kind of immediately goes off the rail for me I'm not a huge fan of the plastic Night Goblin kit from 6th edition. I, I get that it's it's nice and modular. You can do a lot with it. You can make fun stuff. Uh, but my problem is that I started the game in the Hero Hammer era. And those metal Night Goblins were some of the most beautiful green skins that Games Workshop ever produced. And then to see them in 6th edition, I like them. Uh, I gave them a three out of five because I, I do think they're very solid. But this was an obvious downgrade for me from, from the old metals to the, the plastics. And again, if you started in sixth edition, you're probably thinking I'm absolutely nuts right now. Uh, I don't care, though. I'm still giving them a three out of five because I don't like... I, I, they're fine, but they're not great. Well, I started in sixth edition and I'm thinking you're absolutely nuts. Now. <laughs> we finally <laughs> no, got to well, the well, not not Where not absolutely doing? nuts. Um, I gave him a four four out of five. Um, well, to me, uh, sixth edition orcs and goblins, the more serious, gruff-looking orcs, the the less comical ones. And these are to me what an orc should be in Warhammer. That that's basically just what I started with. So that's what is imprinted in my mind. I don't hate the uh, fifth edition, more goofier looking orcs and goblins. And, and I have a lot of them, even uh, especially of the goblins, the fourth edition starter set goblins. And they are still very great. But to me, these sixth edition night goblins uh, that look a little bit more seriously. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like that. They are goofy but they are also still menacing and this unit now the reason i gave it a four out of five and not a five out of five is because that the regiments because of their modularity they weren't easy to work with um the body was separate from the legs uh, the torso i mean was separate from the legs so to put that together and then at arms and and have bows or spears sticking out and then do nice little things with them and fit that all on a 20 mil base that's it takes a lot of planning so when i say i gave them a, a four for the models i actually split it up it's a three for the regular goblins but a five for the fanatics uh, i i love those dynamic poses especially the one that has just uh, hit his ball on the ground and the force of that bounces the little goblin upward himself so it's it's averaging between the goblins and the fanatics and i think they deserve a solid four out of five nice i like your reasoning there i would concede that the the specialty goblins so the netters and the fanatics 
I would rank them higher than the yeah. the base goblins for sure. I could see my way to, to giving them a four. I do also love that goblin who is just going to get flung into the stratosphere. <laughs> I really <laughs> like that guy. Um, yeah, so next up is the rules. And this is where my, my love for orcs and goblins started shining through here. I gave them a five out of five for rules. Because not only are these good rules, and they are mostly on the strength of their specialty stuff that you can put in Night Goblins, uh, and the fact that they are so modular in terms of rules, you can have them with bows, you can have them with spears, you can have them with hand weapons, you can put the fanatics in them, you can conceal fanatics, and everybody fears fanatics, whether or not they uh, will admit to it. And you also have the uh, the thing with netters. Uh, in this book, the 6th edition orcs and goblins book night goblins have like three pages of rules because of all the silly stuff that happens with their units you get the fanatics and then you get the uh the netters and it's so iconic it might be the most iconic orc and goblin unit i think it is because it did make our warhammer hall of fame uh, at least the fanatics did that i couldn't conceive giving them less than five for rules because the rules of what they do have been so just uh it, it's been so central to orcs and goblins in warhammer since old hammer like legitimately first and second edition night goblins have been there doing weird stuff so uh i went straight five for rules yeah i did the same uh I agree with everything you said. Their rules are very close to the fluff. Um, they are quite deadly with those fanatics. And I have recalled a tale on the show, which I will recall again, about a single fanatic from a unit with the madcap mushroom. Um, well, what's the opposite of decimating? Decimating is that you kill one-tenth of a unit, in this case of Bretonian Knights. What my fanatic did was he killed nine tenths of the, out of the unit so he just splashed through killed nine knights one single knight was left standing and that's the whole reason anybody takes night goblins to get those fanatics out there to see them do their nice crazy stuff uh, you have those netters that make them very sneaky it's everything you'd expect from subterranean goblins mm -hmm. Those fanatic rules are so wonderful. It's it's kind of a, a 25% of the time it works every time type of rule. Yeah. I take fanatics and they let me down every single time except when they don't. And those times when they don't is the greatest feeling in the world. And I'm like a gambler, right? You're, you're just chasing that high. And most of the time you lose, but then you score big and you're just like, yes, these are the best units ever. Uh, yeah, great, great stuff. Lore yeah, those are, those are the tales we are going to tell when we are in the old folks' home and, and grumbling about uh, the young kids not throwing their dice the correct way and stuff like that. Oh my god, yes. We need to do this. That's... that's. I'm going <laughs> to show up. It'll be like, I don't know, like uh, 20th edition Warhammer 40k and I'm just going to be there grumbling about the size of Space Marines because they're now like 18 inches G. tall. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so lore for Night Goblins uh, is just straight five out of five. I don't know how you could give it any. I, I don't even know. Like, I don't think I even have to justify this because they're, they've been here since first edition. They're great. They're wonderful. Everyone loves them. Five out of five. And all I wrote down was everyone's favorite gobbo. 
Yeah, that's all you need to say. Yeah. Yeah. So um, now the big question is, of course, have I convinced you that the models should be uh, should be getting a score of four out of four because of those metals, uh, the the netters and the fanatics? Ah, uh, that you know what that could be that could be a tiebreaker later on. Um, I'm gonna I have to think about it. You 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 do make a good point. I do love I love the netters. I love the fanatics, and they do probably deserve more than a a three out of five. Oh, yeah. All right, so so now I'm I'm just putting him down as an, an average of thirteen point five. Okay. <laughs> because they got fourteen points from me and thirteen from you, so that's okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, now let's 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 keep things grim and, and gritty here, and and also keep things at two points per model, and let's talk about Skaven slaves. This is one that I did not expect to see. And honestly, I forget about Skaven slaves uh, beyond eighth edition because I they were hugely popular in 8th edition because you could have the slave trains and uh, they were awful and I hated them. But I had uh, several, well, a lot of Skaven players voted for them, uh, more than voted for anything else. But a lot of Skaven players uh, absolutely raving about them in 6th edition, which, I mean, was kind of news to me, honestly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Starting things off with the models. Now, this is this is an odd one because if you look at Skaven slaves in the book, they are represented by the classic multi-part monkey Skaven clan rat kit that you either kind of know and love ironically or know and hate, as I know a lot of Skaven players did. However, there were great metal blisters that were Skaven slaves with slings. And they were these emaciated little rat guys with their little slingshots. And I think they're great models. So I, I kind of based my score off of those instead of giving, uh, instead of going off of the old clan rat models. But I did kind of take into account that you could also represent them with the clan rats. So I went with a score of three out of five. Because again, they're good. I think if they had all been represented by those little uh, emaciated Skaven with, with slingshots, I might have given them a straight four. But where there's a little bit of confusion as to to what the actual models are, I, I went for three out of five for that one. I totally did not think of those um, Skaven slaves, the, the, the metal ones. Were they 6th edition or were they earlier? I thought they were 6th edition, but now that you mention it, the, the blisters might have come out the later half of five. Uh, ooh, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, well, that might be something to uh, check out at a later date. Uh, it doesn't really matter much because uh, for me, well, I, I did not include the, include those metals, uh, regardless of which edition they are from. But I think we are on the same line. I gave them a two for the models because there's not enough difference to me between your average clan rat and slave and... Um, these are made from the same kit, and it's understandable. The only difference you see really is in the weapons that they use. They are slightly grubbier, the types of weapons. Uh, but also, what I have gleaned from the lore is that Skaven makes slaves of all races, not just other Skaven clans. So I would have loved to have seen a sort of mixed bag unit with uh, troops from other races thrown in, like maybe 
some humans, some dwarves, even an elf or two, and they are just being driven out in front of the Skaven to take all the arrow fire for them. I, I get you on that, and it's it's kind of one of those things like seeing non-human undead, right? You'd love to see yeah. it, but it just doesn't seem to happen that often. Yeah, I can. I think two is a defensible score for it, especially if you yeah if you weren't thinking of the um, the metal Skaven slaves, which might not even be from sixth edition. Now that you mention it, I, I really remember them from that era, but they might have come in kind of the later half of five when the Skaven uh, clan rats came out. Um, yeah, so I, I I think we're on the right track for scores there. Uh, rules wise, so these are really neat uh they're ridiculously cheap at two points per model they're as cheap as goblins are uh but they actually have i think a lot of value at that two points per model uh firstly anytime you're getting a body for two points is probably a good thing they're strength three tough three which is perfectly uh perfectly acceptable they're initiative four which I think is great on a two-point unit. And now I know they're not really going to be killing anything, and that's not even their job. Uh, but the fact that they strike first against a lot of things in the game, I think is really, really valuable. The other thing I wanted to mention was uh, just the fact that, you know, they're they're Skaven, so they're they're kind of fast, right? Like, they're, they're movement five, uh, so you can kind of get them into places. They're faster than most other infantry in the game that's non-elf. Uh, that that initiative is really good. Uh, the leadership of two, you know, it, it is what it is. But the expendable rule means that they're not going to panic the rest of your army, uh, which is really really nice because all you really want to do is is drive these guys in front of uh, in front of of the enemy and make sure that your more important units aren't getting charged or uh, at least you know buy you a turn or two or. Their cheap units on the flanks, like for everything that they do, I think they're kind of great. Uh, so I gave them a four out of five for rules. I agree with you on everything you said, except that I gave them for that very same reason a five out of five. Uh, they do what they should do. It's great that you can use them to send out in front of your troops to do your dirty work, not have to worry about them fleeing. And the reason that I got to that solid 5 out of 5 is because they also have this very fluffy rule that you cannot have more units of slaves than you have regular clan rat units. And I think that makes a lot of sense because if you have more slaves or at least uh, too many slaves compared to the number of handlers, quote unquote, then you might uh, be looking at a slave revolt. And that's not something you want happening on the battlefield. So I like that you cannot take more slaves than regular clan rat units. Yeah, it's a really fluffy way to to kind of make sure that you're not you're not cheesing that too hard. I think it's a it's a good one. Uh, as far as lore went, I really like the way i mean i like skaven lore skaven lore is really easy to like uh they're so awful to each other and and to just everything in general they're just the worst and i liked the fact that skaven slaves are a bit of a unique unit amongst 
the factions of Warhammer Fantasy. You don't really see that. And the fact that it's Skaven enslaving Skaven of other clans and uh, driving them into battle to die, it, it just really speaks to the the awful, brutal nature of, of Skaven society. And uh, I gave them a four out of five because I really enjoy just the nastiness of it all. I also gave them a four out of five. Um basically also again for the same reasons as you mentioned but now that i'm thinking about it i'm thinking what is the reason i gave them a four and not a five and i can't really think of that there's, there's not really anything in their lore that makes them uncool or so so i might be changing that four to a five after all okay yeah i'm just gonna do that why not <laughs> All right, so that's going to bring us to our last unit for the day. Stop me if you've heard this one before. It's not like we've never talked about Slayers on this show. <laughs> oh, man. The Dwarf Slayers, yeah, uh, the unit with the most votes out of all of them. Of course it was the Slayers. I feel like I could ask any question to the Warhammer community, and the answer would be Dwarf Slayers. I might yeah. try that out at some point. But here we are. Who's the emperor of the empire? Dwarf slayers. Dwarf slayers, yeah. You know, if if they're really paying attention, I might get a Gotrek or something, right? It would be something like that. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Models, uh, straight five out of five. They're iconic. They're beautiful. Everyone loves them. Everyone wants them. They're, yeah, there's nothing bad you can say. They lasted from fourth edition right up to the end of Warhammer Fantasy because no one could make better Slayer models. And they still haven't. They still can't. <laughs> they no. still can't. Uh, I don't know how you don't give them 5 out of 5. I assume you also gave them 5 out of 5. I also gave them 5 out of yeah. 5. They are top-notch. And you, I, I love that they modeled them. You have, you have such a lot of different uh, Slayer poses with uh, both double-handed weapons, with uh, great weapons. And while well, this is a little bit cheating, but if you go to the Marauder range, you even get some more variety of slayers with swords and maces and everything. So, yeah, just uh, lovely that they can basically pick up anything that they can grab and, and stick it into the enemy. 100%. Now, this is where it falls apart for me. And the dwarf players were were not forthcoming with a lot of, of ways in which their rules make them a proper triple threat. I just I just don't see it here. I don't know. I'm not arguing that they're a terrible unit. I'm just arguing that they're kinda okay at best. Uh so there is they're a zero to one unit, they're eleven points per model. They've got the basic dwarf profile for the most part. Uh, they have no armor or any kind of defensive gear. They're unbreakable, and they've got the Dwarf Slayer rule. And now I'm talking about 6th edition dwarfs first, just to be clear. We'll move on to 6.5. We will mention that a little bit, because they do get better. Uh, this is a unit that, like, if I'm playing against dwarfs in 6th edition, this is not a unit that scares me. And there's a lot of dwarf units that I think would scare me, like the artillery scares me, uh, dwarf lords scare me, longbeards scare me more. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. What, what am I missing here? Like, I, I made a note that just says, what am I missing here for <laughs> rules? I, I don't I don't know. Yeah, I don't think you're missing anything. It's, 
it's it's nice that they have some very fluffy rules that you can have as many champions as you like uh, in in 6.5 the slayer access rule that you can choose which kind of weapon they use and in 6.0 it is no matter how the model is equipped they always count as if they are carrying additional hand weapons um yeah they they have no armor which is a big downside it makes them vulnerable to shooting and that's combined with their movement of three is uh, giving them a lot of opportunities to be shot and i think uh dying because of arrows is a bit uncharacteristic slayers want to have a glorious death in battle and they don't want to find a glorious death by becoming a pincushion so i gave them well i have noted it down as a four but i'm going to adjust it to a three out of five uh, i like the rules that they are fluffy and and the, the whole slayer thing that they can do well against high toughness enemies but their use on the battlefield is pretty limited you need to get them in combat and that's something that dwarves are notoriously bad at yeah i i ended up giving them a two uh, i was i was not i was not thrilled with their rules i did i did say that i would give them a three if we're looking at the 6.5 book i think that is a bit of an improvement because they can they've got a little bit more options as, as far as as what they can do and and kind of how they do it but yeah this is just a unit that i i think is is kind of underwhelming i like their eighth edition rules a lot better where they can strike on death i think if they had something like that uh maybe I, i'd give them a, a higher grade but as far as it goes for me the rules are really where this unit falls to pieces um, yeah, well, what they need is that rule from the Storm of Chaos book where every Slayer unit moves 2d6 inches straight forward at the start of the battle. Yes, would also Just give them give upgrade them little, for that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to play Slayers in 6th edition, that's what you're using. I mean, if you've got enough Slayers to run that, but... Yeah, it's just a, it's a little disappointing is all, I guess. I'm not even mad, just a little disappointed. Yeah. Uh, but then we get to lore, and then I gave them a 5 out of 5 again, because... Again, yes. Yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? All right. Well, that gets us through all of our nominees. So I guess yeah. the only thing left is to kind of tally our points and choose a winner and and i don't know if your your mind has been changed i actually came in not knowing which one was gonna kind of be the the strongest one for me um, well I, I have been taking score in the meantime oh and look at you unless, unless you have uh well thank you <laughs> unless you have changed your mind about anything uh, shall i just read out the averages that we, we yes please do Alright, so in 5th place we have Gladeguard with an average of 9 points out of 15. Then in 4th place are the Skaven Slaves with an average of 11.5 points out of 15. In 3rd place we have the Slayers at 12.5. In 2nd uh, place the Witch Elves with an average of 13. And the winners are the Night Goblins with an average of 13.5 or maybe even 14 if you up your score for the models by including those metal netters and fanatics. But either way, they are the clear win. Well, 
clear. It's it's still a, a close one. Uh, they won by half a point, but they are the winners for today. Uh, you know what? I'm a little disappointed. I was. I don't want night goblins to win. <laughs> no, I love night goblins. Everyone loves night goblins, but they're 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 so they're the chalk. They're they're the chalk. They're everyone loves them. Yeah. But I mean, they they fit the criteria. But the the more I was looking at, it, I was like, man, I should have made witch elves five out of five on models. Uh, although I don't I I don't think that changes because it would still be probably the same. Or I think they what, they what, might what they do, might get us to have a on, tie. Uh, what do you have on models now? I had them as Joss? four out of five. I could yeah. If we get them to five out of five, uh, they they are a tie with the night goblins. Uh, provided you do not um, give night goblins that extra point for the fanatics. Oh right, and you made a really good point about that. Oh GJ, GJ. It's my job to make your life difficult yeah, and easy yeah. at the same These, time. You, you've, got, you've got two armies that I absolutely love here. And like, and and I shouldn't let this color my decision, but like the Night Goblins already won as far as the Warhammer Hall of Fame is concerned. Do we really want to give them this title as well? And I mean, I would love for the Dark Elves to get a win. When do Dark Elves ever get a win, GJ? Oh. Oh, I, I really wanna. I really wanna. <laughs> well, twist there's, there's this little tiny episode that didn't happen called End Times when a certain dark elf retroactively became Phoenix King. Well, yeah, because he so was always the been rightful win. Phoenix King of Ulth One. Uh, yeah, okay, that that was a bit of a win, but then the world blew up, so you know. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh my goodness! This is this is. You know what? No, we have to go with the results. I I don't, I don't. I see. I like this result except for the fact that like I really want the witch elves to win now. <laughs> I I completely but, agree with you. It's it's well. I mean, we are the judges. The, the people have spoken. The judges have spoken. Yeah. If we just look at this objectively, the night goblins have won. <sighs> they have definitely not by a landslide. Nope. No, it was but, very close. Um. The Witch Elves are a very good second choice, and I would not have minded it at all if they came in first. Witch Elves first in our hearts. Uh, yes. Certainly. <laughs> uh, but I, I think, yeah, I think... That's because might... of their initiative as well. That's true. First That's in our true. Hearts. Yeah. Uh, so Night Goblins take it on the strength of their variety uh, as far as rules go. The strength of, of both the the 6th edition models for the basic Night Goblins, but then the little bit of bump that they get for those beautiful, characterful, special models that you could fill in the unit with. And then the lore of Night Goblins. I mean, they've been here since the beginning, and it's always been good. It's always been fun. And they're everyone's favorite Gobbo, like you said. So, Night Goblins, congratulations. You are yes, the Warhammer well Fantasy 6th Edition Triple Threat. So, this was a but, fun... But I want to make a ruling now, if I okay, can. yes. Uh, the ruling being that if we are going to discuss other editions, Night Goblins can no longer be considered. Ooh, motion passes. This is great. <laughs> a ruling passes? I guess you, you just made a ruling, so we don't actually have to pass that. But yes, oh, well. that is it. So... Yeah, uh, consider it emotion. Yeah, yeah. As <laughs> as as long as people like this episode, we will absolutely hit on at least uh, Hero Hammer because I'll probably combine fourth and fifth edition, and eighth edition, 
And I guess if there was a huge groundswell of support, we would hit on seventh too. But let's be fair. It's not going to happen. Yeah, so... Yeah, some of the seventh books are transferred into eighth and everything. Exactly, uh, exactly. By the way, Bretonian players, if you want to have another shot... uh, (laughs) Yes, Bretonian players, just enter wherever. Eighth edition... Yeah, yeah. You can you can be in whatever Bretonia. We we know how we know the score. Uh, you can always vote. <laughs> well, this was tons of fun. I really enjoyed this. What did you think, TJ? Yeah, is this a good one. We we'll do this one again. Yeah, yeah. Through. Yeah, players. definitely. Yeah. Cool. 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 Well, I hope that you have enjoyed this episode. I hope it didn't make you uh, green with envy that your uh, chosen unit did not make the cut for the triple threat of warhammer fantasy uh to all of you who voted uh night goblins night goblin facts great job you did it again look at you you winners <laughs> but next time next time we're, we're not having it we're gonna have something else uh if for fifth edition and for eighth edition so that is gonna do it for this episode of the war games orchard I hope you've had a great time listening. We have had a great time recording. Until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the War Games Orchard. If you enjoy the show, why not join us on Patreon? There you'll gain access to all of our bonus content for any level of donation. It's a great way to help us keep going and enjoy extra Orchard content. If Patreon's not your thing, please consider giving us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice and sharing this show with friends. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on Facebook at The Warhammer Orchard and The War Games Orchard, or by email at wargamesorchard at gmail.com. <laughs>